Well, we told you that Rabbi Mark Schneier has uh, graciously um, agreed to join us this morning from Bahrain. Believe it or not, he is uh, he is there. Well, that's not hard to believe because he's there pretty often. And he's one of the participants in uh, what is being uh, viewed as a historic, and no doubt it is, a historic gathering on the topic of peace and prosperity in the Middle East. Rabbi Mark Schneier, who is the rabbi of the Hampton Synagogue and has been involved in um, intercultural and religious relationships for decades. Rabbi Schneier, a pleasure to welcome you from Bahrain. Thanks for joining us here at JM in the AM. Good morning to you. I guess we'll start with what's most important likely to both of us, and that is that there was a gathering of Jews, I mean many people from around the world who are there with you to participate and to witness what's going on, and nobody forgot their tradition uh, at home where they came from. You participated and saw uh, and had uh, minyanim. (laughs) We saw the photos of the services taking place, and I guess that's a good place to start, that no matter where you might end up, Baruch Hashem, uh, the core of uh, people who are representing our community remember their tradition and heritage. Well, let me correct you. It, it was not Minyanim. It was a Minyan. Right. Uh, this was the first daily Minyan held in the Bahrain Synagogue. It's Bahrain is the only state uh, in the Gulf region among the six Gulf states to have an indigenous Jewish community. It's the only Gulf country to have a synagogue building, a synagogue structure that um, is not in use. Uh, The community that only uh, numbers 37 members uh, will use the shul on different holidays. They'll get together on Purim, but it's not in either daily or Shabbat use. Um, And it's a very small group of uh, Jewish dignitaries and personalities that are here. There are seven Israeli journalists. That is all another story, which is quite significant. Right. Um, but you have, um, you know, I'm here by uh, colleagues from the Wiesenthal Center, uh, Marvin Heyer and uh, A.B. Cooper here, uh, Jason Greenblatt also took part in the Minion this morning. Um, so we had about uh, 15 men <laughs> uh, present at the Minion and uh, at the end of the davening, you know, we were dancing around the Bima uh, singing uh, Am Yisrael Chai, so as we would say Nisim B'Niflaot uh, that here we are in uh, Bahrain um, Bahrain where you know His Majesty the King is so proud of his Jewish community and so beneficent, you know, to his uh, community. Um, it was quite um, an experience this morning. I could only imagine. Right? Mark Schneier is with us, with us from Bahrain. Is there a way to determine Rabbi Schneier or to conjecture at this point if this conference is accomplishing much? Is there a way for you, uh, based on your observation and participation, to draw a conclusion at this point about the progress that has been made? I think tremendous progress has been made, great momentum that's going to propel this peace process forward. And as much as this is a Trump administration initiative, 
It is also a Gulf state initiative. I've heard from several Gulf leaders uh, in the past few years, you know, Rabbi, in terms of addressing the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, we need as the first step to address the economic empowerment uh, for the Palestinian people and to bring them the economic sustenance and stability and security and, and and economic opportunities, and uh, it's quite quite an initiative, you know, to bring the Palestinian economy uh, $50 billion to create 1 million jobs, and many of us, uh, you know, m- m- myself included, you know, feel very, very strongly about the way to resolve this conflict once and for all is to give the Palestinian people a sense of economic and financial hope. What I also found very encouraging, very refreshing here at the conference, that I've heard from Gulf leaders how focused they are in addressing the economic plight of the Palestinian people, but we heard from uh, quite a few prominent Arab business leaders how they also support this this initiative, how they also want to you know, participate in the economic growth of the Palestinian economy. I, I, I would I believe d- that you know the Trump administration is step on, is spot on in terms of uh, making you know the first step in the process uh, addressing um, the economics for the Palestinian people. I would guess if the uh, Gulf state representatives that you cite are as optimistic as you say. Uh, then they must be frustrated at the fact that PA leadership has essentially boycotted the event. Well, they're frustrated because, you know, there are other driving forces now in the region that are propelling and, 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 and that are going to, you know, bring the, the momentum uh, to making this deal. You know, I have often said no tension, no deal, and, and they're, quite a lot of tension going on here in the region. You know, first you have the essentialist threat of Iran, which both the Gulf and Israel share. Then the Gulf itself is going through an economic transformation. There's a diminishing demand for oil. Um, and because of that, you know, Saudi Arabia and Qatar and others need to transform their economies. They're looking to Israel to be that partner. They look to Israel as the great startup nation with the brain trust and technology. You know, I've heard from, uh, you know, from the crown prince of Saudi Arabia to the emir of Qatar, you know, they, they've all said to me, you know, Rabbi, with our resources and wealth and Israel's technology, we could develop the most powerful economic region in the world. And finally, there is a great intense desire on the part of Gulf leaders to strengthen their bilateral relations with the United States. So you have these, not only have these external, factors that are coming into play. It's that tension that's driving this process, that's generating the momentum, recognizing that, you know, the number one obstacle is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and why this needs to be addressed and resolved once and for all. I can't resist but to ask you about the, uh, about the philosophical angle to what you just told us. Uh, it must be for somebody like yourself from a traditional Jewish home, a post-Holocaust traditional Jewish home, uh, to hear the words from Gulf state leaders that with their resources and Israel's technology and their startup nation uh, category, 
uh, that they that they can go ahead and accomplish what they want to accomplish. I mean, that that must just be it must be surreal to you. Speak of Nisim and Iflaot, it must be incredible for you to hear those words uh, just a few decades after the world was after a good part of the world was ready to completely destroy us, and just years, if not months, after after Israel would be viewed as the enemy by so many of these states. And you hear those words, what goes through your mind? Listen, it's quite extraordinary, but, you know, this is only, it's not a question of them articulating these words, but it's also a, uh, these are the sentiments and the gestures that are coming from uh, their hearts. Uh, And they are very, uh, they're very genuine, and uh, they're very authentic in terms of expressing uh, these sentiments. And even when it comes to Israel, it's only a question of respect and admiration. There's a certain reverence to what the state of Israel has accomplished uh, now in uh, 70, what is it, 71 years. Um, and how, if you look at every major ranking of you know, U.S. News and World Report, Time, you name it, Israel's you know one of the top eight yep. or nine countries, you know, economically, militarily. You know, Israel is a mighty, mighty force. And, and look, it was the King of Bahrain who sent to me in 2016 on one of my many visits, you know, with him in the palace, where he said to me, Rabbi, our only guarantee for a strong, moderate Arab voice in the Gulf is a strong Israel. They see Israel as their partner. They see Israel as their partner militarily. They see Israel as their partner economically. The Gulf states are committed to the Palestinian people. They are committed uh, to a Palestinian state, whatever whatever form that might take. But there are other, but there are other issues that are, uh, you know, far more threatening at this point, and they want to get the Israeli-Palestinian conflict off the table. I must tell you the fact that even Qatar um, had their minister of finance here last evening is is a very significant statement because there is a raging conflict. I'm very very. You know, familiar because I'm I'm kind of on both sides of the conflict. Right. There is a raging conflict between you know Qatar and Saudi Arabia, you know, with uh, the Emirates and Bahrain, and the fact that the Minister of Finance, my friend uh, Al Amadi, was here, and in Bahrain was was a testament to the fact that the GCC they see the Israeli-Palestinian issue as a paramount challenge um, that even transcends political and ideological differences here in the Gulf. So as this conference, or when this conference ends, you're telling us that you feel the momentum from these days and the momentum from these discussions and negotiations could bring some serious resolution to some of the uh, conflicts and issues in the Middle East, and that under the Trump administration, uh, there could be real success in the Israel-Palestinian conflict compared to uh, uh, previous administrations that really were not able to make much progress. Listen, I, I applaud the efforts of uh, Jared Kushner, Jason Greenblatt. Uh, Fifty billion dollars is a lot of money 
to pour into um, this Palestinian economy, creating one million jobs. It's all about creating a better life for the Palestinian people. The fact that uh, having this economic security and having these economic opportunities would put the Palestinians also in a very, very different state of mind. So you have the economic side. You also have the tensions now in the region coming from Iran and also economic transformations in the Gulf. It's either a question of all these forces or the perfect storm, however you want to slice it. But it now is the time to take advantage of all these conditions and once and for all put an end to the Israeli-Palestinian and, and the economic investment, you're saying, is a key to that. The economic investment, which many people... Not, might- not, only, not only is it a key, all right, but I'm a great believer, it is the necessary first step. It must be the first step. You cannot expect people to come to the table to discuss their political future when they don't even know when they're, where their next meal is coming from. When, when they go to sleep at night in Gaza, they don't even know if they're going to have electricity or power or water in the morning. They're just, they're, there's no economic stability. You need to restore economic health to then take on some of the other challenges here. So I think that the Trump administration is, is spot on in terms of addressing the economics of the Palestinian people. I know we got to let you go, but, but do, you, do, you, do you feel, uh, based on what you're observing there, that Israeli representatives, and, and likely those in Jerusalem as well, uh, share the same optimism? It's like a love fest. You have to see what's going on here. You know, with some of the Israeli uh, business, uh, they're not representative Israeli business leaders, you know, engaged in uh, conversations with, um, uh, you know, Arab uh, business leaders. You know, there's some Palestinian business leaders. Uh, we have the director general of Sheba Medical Center, the largest uh, medical, you know, center and hospital in Israel, which was just ranked by Newsweek as one of the top ten in the world. It's the largest one in the Middle East, exploring different initiatives, you know, with the Bahrainians, with, 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 with the Emirates. It, it's a very... Very exciting time, very exciting time, and it comes down to wanting to make a better life for the Palestinian people and bringing some peace and tranquility and serenity to this region. Fascinating, right? Mark Schneier, Rabbi of the Hampton Synagogue, President of the Foundation for Ethnic Understanding, speaking with us from Bahrain. I would assume that uh, of all the representatives from uh, outside of Israel, you've been to Bahrain more than anybody else, right? When they need to know where the uh, when they when they need to know where the gift shop is in the airport, they ask you, right? <laughs> yeah. Now we don't have mezuzahs in the gift shop yet, but that too shall come. And God willing, I'll be back in New York tomorrow. I have some wonderful material from my drasha from my sermon on Shabbos. I'll be in the Hamptons, and I invite all your listeners. Come out to the Hampton Synagogue. We would love to see you. It's quite an experience. I've been there. Thank you, Rabbi, and thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Rabbi Mark Schneier from Bahrain, president of the Foundation for Ethnic Understanding, Rabbi, of course, of the Hampton Synagogue, and somebody who's been to Bahrain, as I pointed out, most likely more than anybody else who's an outsider, uh, relatively an outsider uh, at this conference. Uh, Wednesday morning broadcast. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.